Now, The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. One of the most traumatic financial experiences imaginable for most Americans is the idea of an IRS audit. Why are so many Americans terrified of an audit? Is it because they cheat on their tax returns? Not likely. Despite what the IRS believes, most Americans do their level best to comply with tax laws by conscientiously struggling through the thousands of pages of mind-numbing forms and instructions the IRS produces every year. The National Taxpayer Advocate once referred to the American taxpayer's job of understanding and complying with the tax laws as nearly impossible. In fact, Americans spend about 6.1 billion hours each year complying with the filing requirements of the Internal Revenue Code. But before we get to what you can do to deal with and win a tax audit, the topic of our conversation today... Let me introduce my guest, Dan Pilla, who for over three decades has been the nation's leader in taxpayers' rights, defense, and IRS abuse, prevention, and cure. Regarded as one of the country's premier experts in IRS procedures and general financial problems resolution techniques, he has helped hundreds of thousands of citizens solve personal and business tax and financial problems they thought might never be solved. As the author of 14 books, including his newest one we'll discuss today, How to Win Your Tax Audit. He has written dozens of research reports, hundreds of articles, and is a frequent guest on radio and television programs, reaching millions of people each year. So before you file your tax return this year, you're going to want to learn what Dan has to say about never having to fear the IRS again. Welcome, Dan. Well, thanks for having me. Always good to chat with you, and I learn something new every time, so I'm very excited about talking about your book. But let's talk about why the IRS believes that most Americans are tax cheats, which gives them the power to conduct investigations for those they have selected for audit. Well, very simply, uh, uh, Sherry, each tax return has two different elements to it, income and expenses. And, uh, you know, it's not so much that the IRS thinks people are cheating by overstating their deductions, because, frankly, the vast majority of taxpayers out there file short forms. About 70% of every tax return filed in America is now a short form. And so the IRS takes the position that people are cheating by hiding income. And that's what they're focusing on, the new uh, data-driven audits, as they say, that the IRS is conducting right now are based on the idea that you're hiding income someplace, and so the IRS is performing these uh, lifestyle profiles on people where they look at your home, your furniture, your fixtures, your clothing, your jewelry, the trips and vacations that you take, the clubs you belong to, uh, you know, what memberships you have, your cultural background, educational background, all of those things, and they decide based on that. Uh, you know what your income might be compared to what it was what was reported on the tax return. Wow. 
So without me even even knowing it, there might be somebody looking at me in ways that I never thought that they would be, is what you're saying. Well, well as a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, and as a matter of fact, that's exactly what's going on, because as I point out in the book, How to Win Your Tax Audit, one of, what happens is even before your tax return uh, ends up on the desk of a, or I should say, as soon as the return ends up on the desk of a tax auditor, before the auditor has contacted you, the taxpayer, they immediately start looking into these background sources, and of course, the IRS has got growing access to more and more information out there. You know, I mean, just for one thing, so many people put so many different things about their life and their lifestyles and their activities on uh, on social media, which of course the IRS has ready access to. But even beyond that, Sherry, they've got access to all kinds of public and private databases where they go through that information that's available to find out exactly what they can uh, on on you from you know, for example, trade associations or you know, city directories on online directories, those kinds of things, insurance providers, uh, subscriber information like Dun & Bradstreet and Lexus, and, you know, and of course other government agencies like the Social Security Administration, and, and now with the, uh, the Health Care Administration, of course, they're uh, sharing information now with the Internal Revenue Service on a regular basis, uh, Small Business Administration, the Better Business Bureau, I mean, you just go down the list of all these things, and, and, and then even, of course, um, private parties like, you know, your, your landlord or your former employee or an ex-spouse or neighbors or, you know, all of those types of things are, are areas uh, where the IRS would, would gather this information, um, not, uh, you know, possibly before you even know they've done it. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, Dan, every time I have a conversation with you, I, I always am stunned through most of it because you obviously have spent many years as an advocate for taxpayers' rights and really understanding this. And I think one of our conversations, this goes back maybe four or five years ago when, remember that whole thing, you know, the IRS is going to get friendlier and and more, <laughs> but it sounds like they've done a complete uh, 180. Well, yeah, they have. And, and in fact, uh, Sherry, not, not long ago, the IRS released its most recent strategic plan. You know, every five years they issue a plan to, to guide the agency going forward. And then this one is really a chilling plot to increase their data-driven enforcement uh, by dramatically increasing its access to, pu- pu- to private information about you and your job and your business, these things I talked about here. And as I said, the driving philosophy behind this is the fact that you're cheating on your taxes. And because of that, they just simply believe that they need more information about you. They believe they have to have enough information to know everything you do, including when and how you do it, and the information that they have available to them now through the 1099s and W-2s is just not enough. Hmm. So it almost sounds like who they're hiring is more like private investigators than some guy that can read a financial statement or a tax return. Well, and, and, and there, you know, there's some truth to that, too. Of course, what they're doing with the existing agents is not that they're hiring, you know, quote-unquote investigators, per se, but what they're doing is, is training and have trained their agents to become uh, more in the way of uh, investigative. And, in fact, the phrase the IRS uses is we want to do investigative audits, you know, not just verification audits. And a verification audit would very simply be, 
you know, look at the tax return, verify with the taxpayer that the items claimed on the return are correct. For example, if you uh, if you have a small business, I know a lot of your listeners do, and you uh, file a, uh, a business tax return that shows that you had, you know, $5,000 in advertising expenses and $5,000 in, in uh, travel expenses, the IRS would ask you to verify that, right? That's a verification audit. If you verify the audit, you know, everybody shakes hands and, and goes home, and that's the end of the story. But now what happens with these investigative audits is they ask a whole different question. And the question is not necessarily whether you can verify, although they do, uh, certainly verification is part of the process, but the core question is, can you afford to have paid these expenses in the first place? Hmm. And now, based on the background that they build, the profile that they build, they ask the question, uh, if you could not afford on the, on the basis of what's reported on the return to have engaged in this pattern of spending, then there must be unreported income someplace that they add to your tax return. I call it phantom income. Wow. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Dan Pilla, who wrote his newest book, How to Win Your Tax Audit. And, of course, Dan is huge, always in the enlightening of what's truly going on with the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service. And, of course, this time of year tends to put fear in the hearts of many as we try and fill out our tax returns, as we try and understand what could come at us from the IRS. And Dan, it is amazing to me that, you know, it's, it's, well, it's, it's high tech is what it is. And, and the reality of, you know, what people are going to struggle through in the next month or so to get these tax returns done, the fear and everything that we do experience. And what you're all about is the insider information, knowledge and techniques so that if it shows up, we should not fear. Correct. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's exactly right, Sherry. That, that's precisely correct. I mean, here's the bottom line. Uh, that there are things to be concerned about, that's true, but none of this should immobilize anybody. Because when you understand what your rights are, and you understand what the limitations of the IRS are, and I, and I lay that out in my book in great detail, you don't have to be afraid of being taken advantage of by the IRS, or uh, you don't have to be afraid of paying taxes that you don't owe. There are so many rights in the Internal Revenue Code, if you know just a few of them, you're going to prevent virus from running you over, and that's the information I give you in the book. Right. So as someone that has, you know, lived through many IRS commissioners and really the the ups and downs of the Internal Revenue Service and all of that, are you a little concerned with where they are today? I mean, we, again, when we talked, I don't know how many years ago, it, it seemed like there was openness and they're wanting to really help the taxpayer to collect the money, but it almost sounds scary. Well, well, I, I tell you, I'm in, I am concerned about it, and, and, and I'll tell you why, and that is because, you know, even even while the, the number of, of computerized audits is exploding and the IRS is, is pushing for more and more and more of this information reporting, what we're seeing here is that taxpayer services provided by the IRS are at their lowest levels in more than a decade, all right? And so this proves that the IRS, instead of helping people to comply with an increasingly complex tax code, the IRS would rather just grind people into financial powder if they don't comply in the first place. And so that that's that's 
very troubling to me. There's no question about it. Our tax code is very, very complicated, Jerry, and people need help complying, and that's where the IRS should be focusing most of its attention. But you're right, because I can tell you from personal experience, because we deal with the IRS for getting tax ID numbers and S elections and all these things, and to try and to go to the IRS office, it is completely understaffed, it is ridiculous in the amount of people in there. To try and place a phone call and get an answer is ridiculous, and the wait times are off the charts. And so it is like they've, they've totally almost put up a black curtain that says, we're Oz behind the curtain and try and figure it out and find us if you can. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And just to, you know, just to put some data to what you just said, you know, the, the National Taxpayer Advocate has reported that the IRS is not likely to answer even half of the 100 million phone calls. Never mind wait times, Sherry. Never yeah. forget the wait times. You're not even going to get an answer in half the cases when you call the IRS. And, and you know, there's 100 million phone calls that are placed to the IRS every year. They've completely eliminated their tax preparation assistance programs. They're going to answer far fewer tax law questions in the past. And after April 15th, Sherry, they aren't going to answer any tax law questions for folks. So if you're on an extension from April 15th for your tax return filing, you're just on your own. Their big push is, well, all the answers are on the website. Well, you and I know we, I can't, well, I certainly can. I can't understand a tax code or what I'm supposed to do, so... Well, yeah, yeah and, you know, and the, and the IRS, you know, we bash the IRS here, but let's let's be fair now. They do have a thorough website. That's true. But you have to know what you're looking for, and you have to know what you're reading. And people don't, Sherry. They just don't. I am going to encourage people to go out and check out your website, Dan, which is a host of solid information, taxhelponline.com. We'll be right back. This is Jen Kelly from MyInTreasure.org in Guatemala. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she takes the time to really listen and understand. Sherry Hill is uplifting and inspiring. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. This is Kim O'Reilly from the College of Education at the University of Nevada. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she opens the door for dialogue. She has a radio show that really discusses these things and is a great lady. Very positive. Welcome back to The Sherry Hill Show. Doing everything possible to spark and fuel your entrepreneurial dreams. Now here's your host, Sherry Hill. For years, Dan Pilla slammed the IRS for not telling the truth about taxpayers' rights. He says that not only does the IRS not tell people what their rights are, in many cases, the agency outright lies to people about their rights. But the IRS has an affirmative duty to tell people in simple and non-technical terms what their rights are in every audit and collection case. My extraordinary guest today is Dan Pilla, America's most popular taxpayer's rights advocate for over 30 years. 
as the author of 14 books, dozens of research reports, and hundreds of articles, Dan's work is regularly featured on radio and television as well as in major newspapers, leading magazines, and trade publications nationwide. His book, The IRS Problem Solver, was rated by the Wall Street Journal as the number one tax book in America. Today, we're exploring his newest book, How to Win Your Tax Audit, which is an insider's guide to successfully negotiating with the IRS. In fact, it is the most comprehensive exposition of taxpayer rights ever written. One commissioner stated that the concept of taxpayers' rights is not a new one for IRS employees. They embrace it in their work every day. Dan, your response to that is that this is pure farce. So please explain and enlighten us regarding our Taxpayer Bill of Rights. Yeah, absolutely. The IRS issued this Taxpayer Bill of Rights, uh, Sherry, in in, uh, July or August of last year, I believe it was, uh, not that long ago. And they've listed these 10 things here conceptually that they believe uh, represent taxpayers' rights. You know, the fact of the matter is that the Internal Revenue Code is loaded with taxpayer rights. The thing I don't like about the Bill of Rights that the IRS issued is is that these are not statutory, these are not legal ideas, these are conceptual ideas that the IRS is putting forth. And I and obviously it's a good thing for conceptually for people to believe they have rights, but I want to know, people want to know what they can do to stop the IRS from running them over. And here's what the truth is. There have been so many rights in the Internal Revenue Code for so long that, that if you know just a little bit about what those rights are, you can keep the IRS from running you over. But the fact is that the IRS does not tell you what those rights are. You know, I've been saying for years that the IRS does not tell people what their rights are. And, and here's the thing. In her 2013 annual report, to Congress, the National Taxpayer Advocate confirmed by saying that most taxpayers have no idea what their rights are and can't take advantage of them, and that's exactly what I've been saying, and that is if you don't have rights, or if you don't know what your rights are, you simply don't have any. But she goes on to say, the Taxpayer Advocate now, goes on to say that the IRS doesn't tell people what their rights are, and again, this is exactly the problem that I've been identifying for more than 30 years. As a taxpayer and someone that has not been in trouble with the IRS per se, it really becomes a non-issue. But for those that have experienced the brunt force trauma of an IRS agent or some kind of a raid or something that no one can explain to them, then all of a sudden they become angry and shocked. There, there's a lot going on with a lot of taxpayers in America that have experienced that side of the IRS, and yet here again, it's always on the backside. The problem occurred, the issue occurred, the, in, the interaction with the agent or the agency has occurred, and we still don't know what our rights are. In fact, half of us don't even know why we got in trouble to begin with. Yeah, that's exactly true. There's no question about it. And an audit situation uh, is the best example. You know, you go through this tax audit, 88% of the people that go through a tax audit end up owing more money to the IRS. And, and instinctively, they believe that the tax audit results are wrong, but they don't know why. They don't understand why the IRS came up with all this additional money that that uh, that they think they owe. And, and people don't know how to they don't know how to deal with it. Now, as I said, 88% of the people go through a tax audit end up owing more money. But the fact of the matter is, according to the IRS's own statistics, their audit results are wrong between 60 to 90% of the time. So there's something seriously wrong there when all of these tax audits 
auditors are making the decision in case after case after case that more taxes are owed when in fact those decisions are wrong. And, 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 and again, this is why it's so important for people to be able to, to challenge these tax audit decisions to, to, to know a couple of things. Number one, that those tax audit decisions are never final. You've always got the right to challenge them. And then number two, exactly how to do it so that you get your case into a position where you're talking to somebody who knows what they're doing and wants to make a reasonable settlement. Dan, where where do we find that? I mean, obviously, in your book, How to Win Your Tax Audit is a great example because you've distilled down through the entire code over many decades of, of helping taxpayers that have received the brunt end of the IRS. Other than you, who else can help me? People certainly have the ability, Sherry, to hire high-priced lawyers and accountants to put the IRS through their paces. There's no question about that. Uh, and that's, frankly, one of the things that the IRS takes advantage of, unfair advantage of. And that is uh, most people can't afford to hire a hotshot lawyer or accountant to challenge the IRS. Uh, most people are on their own when it comes to the IRS because they can't afford professional help. And the IRS knows this. And, frankly, that's why the IRS picks on middle-income people primarily uh, because these folks don't have, you know, the uh, the uh, cadre of, of legal and financial professionals to, to help, them, uh, help them with the fight. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Dan Pilla, who is America's most popular taxpayers' rights advocate. This is the season for taxes and all of that, and you start to see all the articles in the paper about all the tax cheats and everything, which is part of the IRS's ploy to put the fear of God into people about paying their taxes. This is not a show to say that you do or don't have to pay them. We, we know you do. But when you do, what Dan, his message is all about is you should not be in fear of the IRS. So if you're doing what you should be doing and you're in compliance, then there are things that you have legally as your rights in how to deal with the IRS. And so your book, Dan, How to Win Your Tax Audit, is just an awesome, you know, step-by-step, here's what you should be aware of, here's what you should be doing. So give us one of your solid tips on recognizing, as you said, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights is just words on paper from the IRS, but what truly is one of our rights? Well, I'll I'll tell you one of the most important rights, uh, Sherry, that you have, and that is uh, the right not to be forced into an audit that you're ill-prepared for. You you know, when you get a notice from the IRS, whether it's a computer notice, uh, which, frankly, most audits these days are so-called correspondence audits, which I talk about in the book at length, or or a face-to-face examination, which people typically think of when you think of an audit, is going into the IRS with your shoebox full of records, and now the agent's going to, you know, page through all these things with his his pencil and and his adding machine, right? But 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 it's important to understand that when when you get a notice from the IRS, they are going to demand that you either provide information by a certain date, that you show up to an audit, uh, show up at a meeting by a certain date. And the fact of the matter is, for most people, that's it, there's not enough time to get themselves properly organized, to put the information together that they need to get together, and to sort out uh, the documentation and to sort out the facts so they can present it properly to the IRS. Keep in mind that you're always being audited for a year that's you know two or three or four years behind where we are right now, and so it takes a while to sort that stuff out. You have an absolute right, and this is something I talk about in the book with chapter and verse of the legal authority to back up what I'm saying. You have an absolute right to, to 
to play an active role in determining not only when, but where your audit will take place so that you cannot be forced into an audit that you are ill-prepared for. This is one of the key reasons why people end up owing money to the IRS, end up paying money to the IRS that they don't owe, is because they were not adequately prepared for their audit and they went through it prematurely in terms of their preparation and got blindsided by the IRS in the process. Hmm. Now, this is something, because people can reach out to you on your taxhelponline.com website and actually chat with you, but I mean, these are some of the things that you help people really understand. So the moment I get that notice or whatever, either I should be picking up your book or I should be calling you because I can tell you that, and as you know this, and and I'm sure you're thousands and thousands of conversations, the people on the other end of the line are freaked out. Well, there's no question about it, and that's the first thing people do when they get that letter from the IRS is they panic. And so, the first, you know, I'm telling you, do the opposite. Don't panic. Here's what people think that their return was selected for audit because they made a mistake, and that's simply not true. Two-thirds of all the returns selected for audit are selected through a computer program known as the Discriminant Function System, or what they call the DIFF system. And what that does is it simply compares every line of your tax return with national and regional statistical averages for a person in your same income category and profession. If any line of your it scores, and the difference is scored, see? If any line of your return is out of sync with the averages, that difference is scored. It's called the DIFF score. The higher the score, the more likely you are to be audited simply because the IRS in its profiling, and that's exactly what it's doing is profiling, in its profiling function, it says if you're if the, the farther away uh, from the averages that your numbers happen to be, the more likely it is that your numbers are wrong. Now, it doesn't mean they are wrong. It simply means that they are, that's how they call through the 146 million tax returns to audit, to audit the ones that they focus on. And so you've got to understand that there's not a mistake in your return just because they want to look at it. That, that doesn't mean that at all. All you have to do is prove that your return is correct and you're going to get out of the audit with your money in your pocket. What they've laid out, I'm sure, in the letter, because you're saying they hit deadlines. You've got to do you, me, the ta- you have to come up with all this stuff and proof and everything else. Let's talk about that because you do mention that, and you've mentioned this in your previous books, proof of burden, right? Is that what you call it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, the burden of proof. Oh, thank and, you. And, and, this is, and this is the thing, Sherry. People need to understand. This is one of the most important things that I teach in the book, and that is the, the burden of proof is on you. The IRS never has to prove, I shouldn't say never, but very rarely do they ever have to prove you made a mistake. In a typical garden variety tax audit, you, the taxpayer, have to prove that you did it correctly. The IRS does not have to prove that you made a mistake. So the burden of proof is on you, and this is especially true with respect to deductions. So if you, again, getting back to this example we talked about earlier with the business expenses, if, if, uh, if you claim $5,000 in, in advertising expense, you've got the burden to prove that you incurred $5,000 worth of advertising expense in the year it was claimed. That burden of proof is on you, all right? And you've got to understand that burden of proof, and the IRS takes unfair advantage of that with people, and, and this is one of the things they do is they just stonewall you on your documentation and put you into a position where you are led to believe that the documentation you presented is not good enough to support that burden of proof. Hmm. Wow. Dan, we have to go to break. We come back. We're going to pick up on this conversation because, as usual, it is hugely informative 
and exceptionally fascinating. So stick with us if you want to learn how to win your tax audit. This is Denise Hedrick from the Education Alliance of Washoe County. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she truly loves our community, she understands education, and she understands the business mind. Sherry Hill is awesome. Sage International Incorporated fosters the entrepreneurial spirit by first educating our clients. In fact, we wrote the best-selling book, Incorporate and Get Rich, as recommended by Robert Kiyosaki in his bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For over 20 years, we've taught thousands of business owners, investors, professionals, and entrepreneurs how to properly structure their business and personal assets to avoid the three flaming arrows of challenge, income taxes, liability exposure, probate and death taxes. Call Sage International Incorporated at 1-800-254-5779 to set up a free 30-minute consultation. That's 1-800-254-5779. Sage International. This is Lisa Peterson from Wealth Clinic. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she has been an incredible source of inspiration and support as I've been building my business over this past year. Sherry Hill is magnificent. In testimony before the Senate Finance Committee in 1969, former Senator Henry Bellman of Oklahoma told his colleagues, In a recent conversation with an official of the IRS, I was amazed when he told me, If the taxpayers of this country ever discover that the Internal Revenue Service operates on 90% bluff, the entire system will collapse. Not much has changed since that statement was uttered. The art of bluff and intimidation is an integral part of IRS training and practice. Of course, they would never admit to it. So how do we know? Because my outstanding guest, Dan Pilla, has been the nation's leader in taxpayers' rights defense and IRS abuse prevention and cure. Dan was a consultant to the National Commission on Restructuring the IRS. He works with numerous public policy research institutes and presented testimony to Congress on several occasions. His testimony to the Senate Finance Committee blew the lid off IRS abuse and led to many new taxpayers' rights and protections. Dan, as you have shared in your awesome new book, How to Win Your Tax Audit, you say that history speaks plainly enough. That without bluffs and intimidations, in many cases, the IRS just would not be able to collect money. Yeah, that's exactly right, Sherry. In fact, in the book, uh, I document 13 IRS bluffs and intimidations that they use systematically and how to counter them. Uh, you, you mentioned um, you mentioned the National Commission on Restructuring the IRS. You know, these uh, these were uh, these this was a commission that grew out of the Senate Finance Committee's investigation into IRS abuse in the late 1990s. I presented testimony to the Senate Finance Committee during those hearings, and in that testimony, I documented specifically how the IRS uses bluff and intimidation. And as a matter of fact, the the chapter in the book that's entitled 13 Bluffs and Intimidations is based on that testimony before the IRS. So what was going on then is still going 
going on today, and I see it every day in the work that I do. Yeah, in fact, I had a conversation with a gal, I think it was last year, and she was facing down some IRS audit. I mean, it was in like its second year. She'd had a heart attack during the process because she was so upset. And it's really amazing to me because when, when we talk about the IRS, it is almost as if we would expect this kind of behavior in, you know, a communist country or something, right? But it's right here. Well, look at Sherry. I mean, there's there's uh, there's uh, uh, almost four million words in the Internal Revenue Code right now. Uh, our tax code is, is massive. It's it's probably the most uh, most significant piece of legislation in, in the United States. I don't I can't think of an area of law that's that's more complex and and, and more uh, verbose than the Internal Revenue Code is. And and the tax code has changed more than forty six hundred times just since two thousand. In fact, between two thousand and two 2012, it was changed more than 4,600 times. And so we've got this tax code that's tremendously convoluted. People don't know what the law is. And, and so the IRS takes advantage of that by, by uh, pushing people to pay taxes they don't owe. And, and the bottom line is you can take all 4 million of those words and boil them down to just three. And those three words are get the money. And, and that's what the system's all about. Get the money. Or as I say, if you put the and IRS together, it spells theirs. That's exactly right, yeah. Realistically, and and part of your huge message in your book, How to Win Your Tax Audit, along with all of your other, you've written 14, this is the 14th one, is really giving us, the taxpayer, the inside track on how we can effectively deal with the IRS. Great negotiators use all kinds of tricks and tactics, right? And that's all they're trying to do. They're trying to bluff you into believing that you owe more money. Exactly right. I mean, that's the bottom line right there. Uh, bluffing you into believing that you owe more money when the bottom line is, uh, the, the, the bottom line is, Sherry, that the vast majority of citizens in America overpay their taxes. You know, I mean, the IRS would have you believe they would. The IRS takes the position that every person out there is cheating on their tax returns, not so much by, by overstating their deductions, but rather by hiding income. The truth of the matter is, Sherry, that most people overpay their taxes for exactly the reason I just said a few minutes ago. The tax code is convoluted. It's cumbersome. It's gigantic. There's four million words. It's changed with monotonous regularity. People don't know what their rights are. They don't know what their deductions are. They don't know what the benefits are to them that are under the tax code. And so consequently, they don't take advantage of those benefits. Almost 70% of the people in America right now are filing short forms. They've given up altogether claiming any deductions whatsoever. Most of these people are overpaying their taxes. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Dan Pilla, who is the author of How to Win Your Tax Audit and someone that I tap into quite frequently because he's just a wealth of information, but positively how you can deal with the IRS. And most of us would admit that it's one of the most feared agencies we have in America. And they didn't get that reputation because they play nice. <laughs> and, and that's you know that's absolutely true, and, and and there's good cause to be afraid of the IRS if you don't know what your rights are, because you know the typical face-to-face audit sherry is going to net the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, you know I got the numbers in the book. It's a it's about uh, twelve.
twelve or thirteen thousand dollars for a face-to-face -face audit, and a little bit less than that for the uh, for the uh, so-called correspondence or computerized audits. Uh, but you know, if it, let's say it's let's say it's twelve thousand dollars, well, when you add the penalties and interest to that, the amount doubles. So if you go through a face-to-face -face audit, you can expect to pay the uh, or, or at least owe the IRS another twenty-four thousand dollars unless you know how to challenge them in the process. Right. So give us a tip on, you know, all of a sudden I've got that nasty gram saying I'm going to be in an audit. So the first thing you recommend is don't panic, right? And yep, so, absolutely. So how would I essentially then prepare? Because like you said, I have the right to really say this is when and where I want to have this audit. But what should I be doing maybe now um, for this tax season, knowing that if I get audited, it's probably four years from now? Well, that's that's right. And so the first thing you want to do, Sherry, is make sure, absolutely, make sure absolutely that you understand what the issues are that the IRS is challenging with respect to your tax return. What are the, what are the items in question? Now, sometimes they will tell you on the front end of the audit what those items are. Many times they do not. So for that reason, your very first response to the IRS has got to be what I call a ground rules letter. In the book, I talk about 12 different ground rules you should set with the IRS before you actually have a face-to-face -face conference or any kind of conversation with them. Set the ground rules. Stripe the field so you know what's going on so you're never blindsided. And the first thing on that list is make sure that you understand what the issues are in question because you cannot carry your burden of proof. You cannot meet your responsibility to justify the correctness of your return unless you know what's in question in the first place. Once you know what's in question, then you can go to step number two, and that is to find the documentation, make sure you have the documentation to prove all the claims in your tax return. Now, here's something very important to understand. I talked about the burden of proof being on the taxpayer with respect to deductions. To the extent that the IRS questions the income that's on the tax return, and this is something that's happening more and more, you need to be prepared to establish the correctness of your income claim, but keep in mind that if the IRS wants to add unreported income, or as I call it, phantom income to your tax return, have the burden of proof on that point, and I show you how to force the issue on that burden of proof. So just explain phantom income again, because that just seems like I'm in business, and obviously, you know, everybody that pays us to do work, we create a, an invoice and a receipt, and that's all of our income. But you're saying that the IRS could assume or figure out that I've actually made more income, and maybe... I was paid via cash or something and didn't report it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. In other words, based on the financial profile that they build on, on, on every taxpayer in, in, in this process, Sherry, they ask the question of themselves, does the reported income of this person support the spending patterns that we see through this profile that we've created? And the answer, of course, in virtually every case is no. The IRS thinks that you're spending beyond your means, and of course many people do, but they do that with credit cards and borrowed money, not necessarily unreported income sources. And so what happens is that when the, when the audit's completed, the IRS says, look, you reported $50,000 of income on your tax return, but we really think you had more like seventy dollars or $80,000 worth of income because that's how much would be necessary this quote-unquote lifestyle analysis or lifestyle profile that we've built on you, and so they just tack on another twenty dollars or $30,000 worth of income to your tax return. Now, Sherry, they have to prove that 
threshold responsibility to establish that the income reported on your tax return is correct. You can do that with bank records. You can do that with, uh, with uh, you know, your, your internal ledgers, your bookkeeping system, any number of ways I talk in the book about how to do that. If they want to challenge that, they cannot put you into a position where you have to prove a negative. You can't prove a negative. We all know you can't prove a negative. And so if they're going to, if they're going to assert that twenty or thirty thousand dollars of phantom income, they've got the responsibility to prove it. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I just again, I sit here sometimes stunned as I listen to you because it's like they just get to make stuff up, and we got to figure out how to play their game. Yeah, that, I mean that's a good way to put it. That's exactly right. They can make stuff up, and unless you know how to play their game, those made-up things are going to stick. Right. So, Dan, give us some good contact information. If people want to find out about this book, how to win your tax audit, or sign up for your awesome newsletter and those kinds of things, where would you like them to go? Yeah, absolutely. They can go to my website, which is taxhelponline.com. It's all one word. There's no spaces of any kind. It's Tax Help Online. Uh, the book, How to Win Your Tax Audit, is featured right on the homepage. And I'll tell you, uh, Sherry, if anybody wants to order the book, they can go ahead and, and click through uh, the ordering function on the website there and tell us where you heard about it. Tell us you heard it on the Sherry Hill Show. And we're going to give you a free special report that I wrote called the Freedom of Information Act Special Report. And it shows you how to get access to the records the IRS keeps on you that will help you win any challenge with the agency. Awesome. Thank you so much. We come back, we're going to finish up on this conversation about how you can win your tax audit. Stick with us. This is Misty Young, the restaurant lady. You are listening to the Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she embodies, lives, and teaches entrepreneurs to be successful. Sherry Hill is entrepreneurism in action. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, Unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? Like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. This is Dan Pilla from Stillwater, Minnesota, and you're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is an important resource because she provides all the information small businesses need to succeed. The most productive hour of your week. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. No one likes paying taxes or dealing with the IRS, But operating a business without tax savvy is like skydiving without a parachute, certain to end in calamity. Many business failures stem from ignoring the record-keeping and tax side of the operation. Like it or not, the government is always your business partner. Conversely, tax knowledge is critical, and for many, we hire professionals to prepare our business and personal income tax returns. 
In fact, paid tax professionals prepared just over 60% of the 146 million individual tax returns filed in 2013. Most people trust that they are getting the full benefit of all available tax breaks and have full confidence that their pro can handle any IRS situation. Unfortunately, the facts indicate something entirely different. Most tax pros know what they are doing, but those who don't can cause serious problems. My guest, Dan Pilla, is the executive director of the Tax Freedom Institute, Inc., a national association of tax professionals and leading advocate for taxpayers' rights for over 30 years. His newest book, How to Win Your Tax Audit, is based on more than 30 years of experience in winning tax audits, appeals, and tax court litigation on behalf of thousands of individuals and businesses. As the IRS gears up for more audits and enforcement, this powerful and informative book will help you learn dozens of insider secrets, tactics, and strategies to guarantee that you'll never fear the IRS again. Dan, let's talk about the role of the tax professional and perhaps a false sense of security that I may have as a tax-paying citizen. Absolutely. Let's let's talk. Let's talk about one of the biggest problems that we have with tax pros, and that is uh, the sheer number of them, Sherry, that are not in the business full time, and, and that creates a problem. You know, for example, there's there's hundreds of thousands of tax professionals that that just work during the tax filing season, and and these folks don't necessarily have an ongoing day after day practice all year long. Now, you know that in and of itself is not wrong. Certainly, there's nothing illegal about it. But here's what the problem is: we've got a tax code that consists of four million words that's been changed more than forty six hundred times. You know, since since the year 2000, 2001, you got to keep up with that. I mean, that's a it's a full time job just keeping up with these changes, and and never mind then the the process of of keeping your finger on the pulse of your clients and helping your clients through the morass of the compliance requirements that are that are heaped on businesses and individuals every single year when you're preparing tax returns three or four months out of the year and doing something else the other eight or nine months out of the year, you know, how can you be assured that you're keeping up with all these changes? And so it is for this reason that I strongly recommend that people not use these part-time preparers to just fill out the forms, but rather, and especially if you're a small business, I know there's a lot of businesses that listen to your program, uh, Sherry, if you're a small business, you've got to have a tax professional that understands the nature of your business and is available to you on an ongoing basis to help you with your compliance requirements. That's the biggest thing. You know, the, another mistake that people make, I don't want to be too long-winded with my answer here, but another mistake that people make is is, is treating their tax preparer or their tax professional like the dentist. You know, you go to the dentist once a year and you get a checkup and you get your teeth cleaned, but the dentist doesn't come to your house and brush your teeth for you, and he doesn't come and, and floss for you, and he doesn't come and use the, uh, you know, the special mouthwash that helps with all of the uh, all of the gingivitis and all the rest of that stuff. You know, you have to do that yourself every day, so it's critical to get guidance from your professional as to what you're supposed to do, and if your professional is not giving you the specific guidance and you're just out there on your own, you know, you need to talk to somebody who can give you the guidance and then you need to follow the guidance. I'm 
sure you know this because I experience this all the time in dealing with all the clients and they'll tell me some of the things that their CPA or their tax professional has shared with them and I just sit here stunned because it's like that's not current information. Nor is it accurate information. I mean, we see this all the time. I do uh, a little tax return preparation here in this office. We do a little bit of it. And when I say that, I mean that our our primary business here is a tax return preparation. It's tax litigation, all right? So I I get into the act after the IRS has called the return into question, and then we deal specifically with audit and collection problems, appeals issues, and that sort of thing. So I always see the worst of the worst. I'm like the trauma surgeon in the ER room. You know, these people don't have clients that come in or patients that come in for their routine checkup once every six months. These are the people going to the ER room are the ones that have been in the car crashes and they're, they're bleeding to death. And those are the kinds of clients that I see. And, and so I, I see the worst of the worst, but I'll tell you what, there is a lot of, of problems out there with tax professionals, particularly when they get clients into entities like corporations or LLCs or partnerships and don't properly instruct them on the compliance burdens that go along with them. And these cause serious enforcement problems later on. Right, because there's always a ton of commingling or you can't tell which entity is paying for what, and and which is a huge part of what I teach to go separateness is beautiful, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Sherry, that's probably the single most important lesson that can be taught to, to small business people that are using an entity, uh, corporation, LLC, partnership, whatever it may be, uh, is, is to maintain legal separateness because, you, because what happens is people immediately slip into the left pocket, right pocket thought process or syndrome. You know, my individual life is in my right pocket. My business life is in my left pocket. It's the same pair of pants. I'm the same person. I'm, you know, the, the money is, is, is supporting the same individual or family. And so what difference does it make if I move it back and forth between left pocket or right pocket or I originate it in the left pocket or the right pocket? It doesn't matter. But what they're doing is they're ignoring the legal significance of the entity they created. And if you don't have the proper tax professional guidance through this stuff, it is going to be a major league mess. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Dan Pilla, who is the author of How to Win Your Tax Audit. Dan comes onto my show and just blows us away with his facts and realities of the Internal Revenue Service, but more important, what we as law-abiding, tax-paying citizens can do so we never fear the IRS again. Dan, Talking about tax professionals, and I love your your dialogue on the importance of keeping your entities and your personal separate, but I want to swing back to the fact that there are a lot of tax professionals that do it full-time, but as you said, there's so many changes and things coming down the pipe. How do you work with tax professionals? The biggest thing, Sherry, is, is making sure that your tax professional has the right information. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book is how to deal with penalties that are assessed against folks. And there's a lot of people that use tax pros, end up going through a tax audit, have something wrong with their tax return, and, and now they've been penalized from the IRS. And, and, the, and the folks will say to me, well, Dan, all I did was sign the tax return where the pro told me to sign. And I'll ask questions about the information that was provided and the material that was uh, explained and the, and the circumstances and, and, if, and come to find out that the individual didn't provide much in the way of, of additional information to the tax pro, so the pro had all of the facts and circumstances to work with. You've got to make sure that your tax professional has got a full understanding 
people don't necessarily know what questions to ask, and so you got to be proactive with your tax pro about making sure that they've got the information they need. Because here's an important thing about the penalties. If you provided all of the information to your tax professional, all of the facts and circumstances of your case were provided to your professional, and then a professional took a position on your tax return that turns out to be wrong, you're not responsible for the penalties if you relied in good faith on that position. Because, you know, you have a right to seek counsel. you got the right to seek professional help in, in getting your tax return prepared and in complying with the tax code. And if you gave all that information to the pro, then uh, that can eliminate penalties in, in, uh, in most cases. Would you say, because we are human beings, that a lot of tax professionals fear the IRS? Oh, yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. And as a matter of fact, the IRS is cracking down on tax professionals quite significantly, Sherry. In fact, in the IRS strategic plan that was just released here, and which I talk about in the book, uh, one of the things the IRS is doing is turning the screws down on tax, tax pros quite significantly. The IRS has wanted for years to, to make tax professionals nothing more than tax collectors paid by the private sector. In other words, they want to chill that representative relationship between tax professionals and their clients so that the IRS has a, a cleaner shot, so to speak, at the, at the taxpayers out there. So the tax pro that's really helping the client, advising the client, being creative, all those kinds of things they would like to eliminate. They would, they would like to eliminate them. Now, of course, the problem with doing that is assuming all those things you just said and the tax pro is not crossing the legal line, there's nothing the IRS can do about it except bluff and intimidate. Right, which we talked about last segment, which is like part of their rule book. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, Dan, my gosh, this show went fast. I really want to thank you for being here and, and sharing on your latest um publication how to win your tax audit and certainly you know letting people understand that you know it's it is impossible for me individual or business owner to keep up with the tax laws and what the irs is doing and so you dan are the watchdog i mean that's what you do it's your job right yep that's exactly right and so for anyone that wants to find out more about your awesome newsletter that I get all the time and certainly how to order your books and learn more about what you're doing on behalf of all of us tax-paying Americans, then where would you like them to go? Yeah, all of that information, Sherry, and much, much more is available right at my website, which is TaxHelpOnline.com. It's all one word. There are no spaces of any kind. TaxHelpOnline.com. My new book, How to Win Your Tax Audit, is featured right there on the homepage, as I said. And if you go ahead and order the book, you can uh, you can tell us where you heard it here on the Sherry Hill program, and we will give you my free special report on the Freedom of Information Act that will show you how to get access to IRS records that they keep on you that they don't tell you about. Right, and obviously, Dan, you're a prolific writer. This is one of many books, I'm sure, still to come. But the previous books that you have written are awesome as well. So I encourage people to go do their homework, learn about the work that you're doing, get on board with what you're doing, and use you as a phenomenal resource, which is what you are. So thank you. Thank you, Sherry, and I appreciate you having me on the program. I, uh, I do appreciate it. Okay. All right. We have to wrap up, so we'll catch up next week. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. 
Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Show. And tune in next week, same time, same station, for The Sherry Hill Show. This is Peter Padilla, your host on Nevada Real Estate Radio. Are you looking for great values on a real estate or mortgage transaction? Listen to our show, Nevada Real Estate Radio. Deal with professionals that you know, like, and trust. Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m., KLAV, 1230 a.m., the talk of Las Vegas.